Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and today's episode is another episode with Coach Sweeta. So we did another episode together, if you haven't listened to it yet. It's the episode about um, eating disorders around the holidays and how to combat some of the triggers and the cycles and the patterns that come up during the holidays, just and in general, like our whole conversation, it wasn't just about holidays, it was about eating disorder behaviors, binging, um, how to get, you know, through the binge and restrict cycle, um, autoimmune issues and, and all sorts of stuff. And so go listen to that episode if you haven't already. It's packed with tips and practices and things that have helped us get through the darkest times of our lives in our eating disorders. Um, this episode that you're tuning into right now is an episode where we talk about eating disorders, different diets we've done, carnivore, veganism, me, me being an ex-vegan. Um, we talk about gut health, autoimmune issues, her different types of digestion issues that she's gone through like uh, colitis. So we talk about a wide variety of health issues that we've gone through over the years and how our eating disorders have kind of threaded through our lives at different periods of time in our lives. We talked about, you know, habits that we used to do that really messed up our bodies. We talk about different foods. We talk about the carnivore space and how it can definitely overlap with eating disorders and how me being vegan for so many years really messed up my health. So this is a really awesome conversation. We talked about so many things that really it's important to talk about these things because it's like there's two camps. There's people in the eating disorder recovery space that, you know, all foods fit, you know, everything in moderation. And then there's the people in carnivore. It's like such a black and white sphere of, of knowledge that's being put out there because there's food addicts, you know, there's people who are addicted to food who go to carnivore and that's that's the way that they heal themselves. But that's sometimes not um, the answer for everyone is just to go and only eat meat and, and butter. Like that's that's not logical for everyone. So we, we talk about the gray area in this episode. We talk about um, experimenting with your body and being connected to your body and understanding that um, there's a lot of dogma going on in all of these diet camps and especially when it overlaps with eating disorder recovery Sometimes people don't want to admit that uh, the restriction is also an issue. And if you're trying to recover from an eating disorder with more restriction, maybe that should be looked at. Um, Eating disorders definitely are rooted in emotional dysregulation, in trauma, in family dysfunction. It's a way to cope. It's a way to deal with emotional pain and suffering. 
So we have to keep that in mind when we are talking about food addiction. Um, and we, we talk about food addiction a lot in this episode, as well as the other episode that I did with Coach Sweeta. So um, it, it feels in, in alignment to release this episode today. I actually was just listening to an episode about, um, it's on the Ballsy broadcast with Renee Sager. Um, the episode that I was just listening to is, are you a food addict or do you just need a nap? So she's t- she was talking about how we just need to rest and do less and how people are saying that, you know, sure, food addiction exists, but are you actually addicted to food or is your binging coming from a place of exhaustion? Are you exhausted and you don't know, um, you know, you don't know how to calm down, you don't know how to rest, your nervous system is on high alert and you're buzzing all day long and lately I have been really focused on resting. Um, All I've been doing while I've been in LA is an occasional yoga class and walking. I walk every day um, and walking is the only thing that I do other than yoga and you know I feel like my my nervous system, my, my adrenals, my thyroid, my autoimmune stuff, it is all you know, tapered down to the point where I'm not waking up with with tons of inflammation and swelling and digestion issues. And I go to bed at night and my stomach is still pretty flat and I'm not bloated and I'm not looking like I'm pregnant. Um, I don't miss those days when I used to go to sleep after eating something healthy, you know, and my body just blew up like a fish, you know. That is when I was deep in my autoimmune and thyroid storm of a life and um, it wasn't fun and I talk about that in depth in this episode with Coach Sweeta. I talk about why everything I was eating, everything I was doing was completely wrong and it was triggering my body into these autoimmune flare-ups that were causing me to not be able to work, not be able to teach, not be able to function. It was a really dark time in my life so I am hoping that this episode um, brings you comfort in knowing that you're not alone and hopefully we can give you some tricks and tips and ideas and thought perspectives and some thought shifts and mindset, you know, mindset shifts that will help you um, get through, you know, the darkest times of, of eating disorders are very, very hard to navigate alone. So community is really important. Listening to podcasts is really important. Um, I've been listening to a few other eating disorder podcasts that are really great that I wanted to share with you guys before we get into this episode. Um, Life After Diets is a really good podcast. Uh, The two women are experts in the field. One of them is a life coach and the other is a ex-police officer and a psychotherapist. The one woman um, is the binge eating therapist on YouTube. And the other woman's name is Stephanie, and she's amazing. The way that these women talk about eating disorders and recovery and food addiction and intuitive eating and um, hunger and satiety and emotion. I mean, they talk about emotions and trauma, and these women are, I think, the top in, in the game in the eating disorder podcast realm. So go check it out. You'll really, you'll thank me later. So... All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Coach Sweeta. We talk all about eating disorders, so trigger warning. If you get triggered by this type of stuff, 
Um, take it easy. If, you, if you're not feeling it, if something we talk about is triggering you, go listen to something else. Um, we do talk about behaviors and binging and food addiction and all sorts of stuff about diets. So um, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. I want to hear your story around, I think, eating disorders, definitely extreme dieting, um, just like all of it. I know there's some addiction stuff going on there. And once you start, yeah, once you start talking about one thing, it all just kind of comes out anyway. So your story. Gosh, I mean, I, it could, it could start. I mean, I had anorexia when I was in high school, I'll just there, um, that, you know, was the most pivotal time of my eating disorder. Um, you know, I was put inpatient. I was 15, 16 years old. So I have that kind of history. Um, and my eating disorder has ebbed and flowed as I've, you know, grown. Like after anorexia, that turned into drug use and partying and alcohols and, and alcohol and drugs. And um, I think eating disorders and addiction coincide together easily and I was so young that I was just trying to cope with everything that I had been through um I have a I actually do have PTSD from the experience of going into treatment for my I don't think enough people talk about that about how traumatizing that experience can be for someone so young and how it can honestly that experience only catapulted me into other eating disorders and other addictions and um college college was full of drugs full of um toxicity on every level sex sick relationships um I was binging I was I wasn't bulimic yet (laughs) um but eventually that happened in my mid-20s for a few years and I think when it comes to eating disorders, um, yes, it's very much like addiction, but what people don't understand is that, what some people don't understand is that it is so much more emotionally, mentally challenging to recover fully from an eating disorder. And the, the word recover is, um, it's just a flash. And I feel like I've been in the recovery space um, like three-ish years now where I go to like eating disorder support groups online and all sorts of stuff to eating disorder therapists. And there's a lot of different things that are going on in the recovery space. What is recovery? What is an eating disorder? What's disordered eating? And what's the difference between that and a full-blown eating disorder? There's a lot of gray area. And there's a lot of confusion and people don't know what's normal and what's not. And there is this really annoying notion within the eating disorder recovery space that eating like that is not normal. Eating like this is normal. Eating like that is not allowed. I just had an eating disorder professional the other day tell me that she couldn't help me. I wanted to hire her as, as my coach just to like help me reverse diet and eat more. And I need, I needed somebody to help me with the mental aspect of it. And she went off on me and said, 
yeah, that's not recovery. Like reverse dieting, that's not recovery. And if you're not going to eat three meals and three snacks, and you're not going to eat, and you're, you're not going to eat carbs. So I told her that I'm keto for. So that's a problem for some people. And I'm sorry if I'm going to be shot down like that because I want to eat in a certain way. That's where the eating disorder recovery space is going wrong. And they're holding these expectations and these standards over our heads. That's like saying to an addict, well, unless you get clean, we can't accept you into this treatment center. Well, isn't that the whole point of a drug addict wanting to go to a treatment center is to get clean. So it's like, well, unless you're going to eat like this, then that's not recovery. So where's the professionals meeting us where we are? That's, that's my big question. Where are the professionals that are doing harm reduction that are going to meet us where we are? Because right now in this space that we're in, keto, carnivore, clean eating, healing autoimmune issues, digestion issues. There's a lot of people like us who have eating disorders or had eating disorders or are in recovery for our eating disorders, however you want to, you know, label it, that no, we're eating sugar, eating carbs, eat, drinking alcohol. No, this is not um, going to help us, especially for those who were bulimic, had binge eating disorders food addiction. Um, so right now, I guess where I'm at is just finding my path of recovery and what that means for me, because I'm tired of the eating disorder recovery space saying, no, that's not allowed. Like I've had enough. I'm an adult and I want to do it my way. And I think there's too many labels. There's too many, um, boxes that we put ourselves in and yeah carnivore and keto and ketovore it can become restrictive sure it can and I think I've caught myself in in the gray area of what's restriction and what is healing that's kind of where I'm at right now and I know that you can relate because we've talked about this already yeah, yeah, definitely. I um thank you for sharing that. Um I related a lot. I for me I came into sort of recovery in 2007 through um 12 step rooms I came I got sober and through there is where I started to see like my binge eating disorders. So I never realized that I had any I mean, I knew that there was something off about me, but I did not realize the food stuff until I got sober. When I got sober, I remember um, I would, at the time I was in California and I was living with this amazing woman who like took me in and I was gorging on her children's food in the middle of the night in the dark. And I just, I was like, what is going on with me? And I couldn't stop. And then it was just this addiction cycle where it's like in the morning. So I would wake up in the morning and I would have this very high resolve that today I'm going to do it. Today's going to be my diet. Today's going to be the day that I'm going to, you know, do whatever. And then by, you know, 11 o'clock, I would say, well, just a little tiny bit of 
that's okay. And it would usually, usually be what I call a, um, like an alcoholic food, like a food that triggers the same sensation as the addiction. And that for me is sugar and flour. It always has been. And so it wasn't in 2000 until 2008, I discovered that sugar and flour for me responded. It, I reacted to them in my body, just like a drug. And I realized I've talked about this before and people have lashed out at me saying, you have no idea what it's like to be on X, Y, and Z drug. And when I proceed to tell them what happens to me when I eat sugar, Mm -hmm. it's exactly the same thing that happens in my body with Mm -hmm. alcohol. And that is um, my liver enzymes go up. There's a craving beyond my mental control. And I have no idea what I'm capable of. Literally, I will be in my car like, so have not eaten for days. And then the binge would come on because I tasted a piece of sugar in my mouth. And it's like, today's the last day I get to eat whatever the foods are. So I'd hit every single fast food restaurant, swerving, crying, didn't care about people. I needed that fix. And then I would that's addiction. Back. That's addiction. And mm-hmm. this is where in eating disorder spaces, I think they don't put like, they're not looking at your specific allergies to food that create that trigger that addiction. And that's why when I fell into, so then I, you know, I got a nutritionist, I did all the things, right. I got the nutritionist. I started following the meal plans and I literally sat, felt like every single day of my life until 2017, I was sitting on my hands like white knuckling my way through life, hungry all the time, just um, hangry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, all the feelings all the time. And then in, yeah, so, I mean, there's just so much more to say about like the therapy I went through, the trauma therapy I went through, all of the things that I learned along the way through up until 2017 is where I hit another really, really, I had my children and, um, I was having pretty bad postpartum depression with my son. My husband was working a lot and it was just, I was trying to take everything on and my PTSD, I have PTSD, um, kicked in and I was having massive panic attacks all the time. Um, and then I picked up Dr. Palmutter's book, which was called grain brain. And I was like, well, I know that I have a problem with sugar and flour. In fact, I blacked out once and ended up in the hospital and I was six years sober. And my doctor knows I was, I'm sober. was like, have you started drinking again? Because your liver enzymes look like you have drank a pint of vodka last night. Wow. And I was like, no, I haven't. I was at work and there was from no, the sugar, from the sugar and the, and and the, the flour the carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in the, um, I was at work and all the ladies, it was February of 2011. All these ladies brought all their cakes and cookies and holiday treats from their husbands for, um, what do you call it? Valentine's day. And so they didn't want to eat them. So they would bring them to work for everyone else. And because I didn't bring my lunch that day and I was running the school and I was running the spot, the medical spot. I was like basically running the whole place that day. I didn't leave. I just kept eating and going back, eat more, go back, eat more, go back, eat more little bits throughout the day. I don't remember my drive home. Um, at the time I was living with my parents, actually I'm living with my parents now cause we're building a house, but, um, I was living with my parents and my mom was like, yeah, you were weird last yesterday. We don't know what was going on with you. Um, I woke up in the morning yeah. and I was like, I don't remember. Anything. I mean, food, food. And there is, there is a couple experts in the field, like Joan Iflin, um, Georgia Ede, 
these women are talking about how yes and they're very um anti like sugar and flour like they they're they're in the no sugar no flour and i think there's there's a lot of actually there's, there's a few molly carmel she's in the eating disorder recovery space she's sugar and flour free so there are these people who are talking about it but not enough and i think there's the overlap of like okay well if somebody wants to recover and they say they, they go to a treatment center, that treatment center is not going to be where you are. Absolutely not. Um, they are going to sit there and say, you need to eat everything in moderation, pizza, cookies, cake. Um, you need to eat carbs. So for me, I, I'm the same way. Like when I was vegan, I was vegan for many years and vegetarian for many years. Um, that made my autoimmune issues skyrocket. That tanked my thyroid. And my mental health went down in the gutter. Um, so after, you know, seven years of being vegetarian, vegan, I started to realize that I felt like shit. And my symptoms were, I mean, full body inflammation, full body swelling. Um, again, my thyroid was totally in the gutter. Um, unexplained weight gain. I was eating clean, right? I was eating healthy. I was eating all the healthy things because I was vegan. But what I didn't realize was that my diet was so carb and sugar heavy. I mean, I would binge on bags of grapes. I would binge on fruit. I would pretty much binge, even though a binge is labeled in so many different ways, but I would overeat um, fruit, vegetables, salads to the point where I made myself sick. Um, my stomach would blow up and look like it was six months pregnant. You're not supposed to eat that much raw veggies or veggies in general, or a hundred grams of sugar in the form of fruit in one sitting. And I didn't realize that that was actually wreaking havoc in my body. And I would wonder why, why are my legs so swollen? Why, am I, why do I have edema? Why do I have water retention? Why is my whole body inflamed joint pain? So last year, um, about a year ago, I started realizing that I needed to leave veganism. And I think that has been actually a big part of my eating disorder recovery because I decided to go vegan when I wanted to lose weight in my early 20s again. And I went vegan. And of course, when you go vegan, you're cutting out dairy, you're cutting out like processed. And I wanted to lose weight because I had gone through a bad breakup. I was binging, I was binging and I was not purging. And I was not, really, I was just binging. And I, and I had the night eating syndrome too. A lot of people are really shamed to talk about it, but there are actually a few people in the space who talk about it. Um, night eating syndrome is a real thing. And after years of restriction, starvation, overexercise, that's going to happen. Um, and I, and I'm still recovering from that. I, I'm the kind of person who will go all day without eating. And it's very easy for me to do that. Um, I do this intermittent fasting, but for other reasons, not to lose weight or anything. Um, and that's just like how I naturally am now. And I think there is something to be said about finding what time of day like you process and you need food. For me, I do eat my largest meal at night. And I know there are people in the OMAD community who do that. and It's not as taboo anymore. But when I hear people 
say, like, this is a little tangent, but when I hear people say, you cannot eat anything after 6 p.m., why? Who made that rule? Like, why, why are people saying these things? And it only creates this shame and, and guilt. Oh my God, I ate something after 7.30 p.m. I can't believe it. It's going to turn into fat on my body. No, it's not. It's literally not, unless you're eating at a surplus, unless you're eating a lot of food that you're extra energy. So that's something that really bothers me in this space too. But um, when I left veganism and I started lowering the carbs, taking out the sugar, figuring out what foods were actually causing me to react, like taking a food sensitivities test. And some people will say, well, those things aren't accurate. Well, guess what? For me, I needed that information. I needed to know what foods were causing me to react. And guess what? Every food on that list, I was eating large amounts of mushrooms, carrots, raw oats, oat milk, almonds, all the oxalates. So no wonder I, I had oxalate poisoning when I was vegan. So no wonder I had joint pain, joint inflammation, swelling. I mean, I couldn't even teach yoga some days. I had to call out towards the end, like that, this time last year was the worst um, time of my life health-wise. Um, so that's what prompted me to start eliminating the carbs, eliminating the fruit, the veggies. Okay, well, this, this whole list of foods that's making me react, what am I gonna eat now? So that literally planted the seed in my head that, wow, I'm sabotaging myself from eating these foods that are deemed healthy. Right. Well, I'm eating all healthy foods, all vegetarian, vegan, fruits and vegetables, gluten free. What I didn't realize was that the greens powders, the pea protein powders, all of this stuff was making me sick, making me feel like shit. Um, so when I did go keto, um, I realized quickly that it's pretty much impossible for someone with a lot of food allergies to be keto and vegan. So I drove myself insane trying to do that a month and a half. And I realized, no, I can't be keto and vegan if I'm allergic to soy and tofu and all these things. So that was kind of like spirit or God telling me like, time's up. You're done. Like you're done with veganism. There's no point in being vegan because you're sick. If you want to feel it better, then you have to eat meat. So I started very slowly with collagen powders and fish, salmon. Um, I didn't go into the beef thing until like a couple months ago. So I took my time um, and I quickly, quickly realized that it was all the sugar, all the carbs, all the fruit and vegetables, the protein powders, the pea protein that were making me so swollen and, and, and in such pain. I remember I would walk. I was living in Miami at the time, walking everywhere. I would walk to the gym and I felt like there was cement in my legs. I couldn't even walk. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that would alleviate that was fasting all day, working out, going to use the sauna, cold showers. I mean, I was doing everything. I was doing all the biohacks. I could do all those biohacks all day long, but, but I was still going to feel like shit because I was poisoning my body with oxalates, lectins, carbs, sugar. My body needed protein and fat. And like, 
I don't think I ever ate enough protein or fat since I was 15 years old. It was just alcohol, drugs, and fruits and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I, I actually, last year when I went, um, well, before I go there, I just, on the sugar and carbohydrate thing, for me, um, in 2011, when I finally put down sugar and carbs, for me, that was, that was the moment of recovering from like that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, like in that moment. So I consider my recovery, not having those things in my life. Cause I can't, cause that's like abstaining from the drug and then certain behaviors, um, uh, like something as small as like eating while standing up and, you know, shoveling oh, yeah. really fast and things like this. Like, these are all behaviors that, um, I have to, um, have boundaries around abstain from things like that. Um, eating while driving. I mean, there, there are, um, if we're traveling and things like that, obviously there's boundaries. I have a network of people that I call and let know, but, um, so the, um, what was it in 2011? Yeah. And then in 2017, I had already put all of that down, but, um, on the way I learned that honey did the same thing to me. Um, I started drinking jars of honey and then, um, I was like, yeah, so it's always, um, like you were saying, it's always, it's a process. It's not like, you know, so it's like, okay, now I know this goes in the category of something that I can't have. Agave is something I can't have. Um, mm -hmm. I can't either. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's like when I got to, when I read that book, Grain Brain, it was like, oh, I can take out all of these other little things that I'm eating. And maybe I will feel actually feel, cause I'm like that person who's just a bottomless pit. When I do eat, I don't have hunger signals. Cause I, I ruined all those. So I was thinking right. maybe, but then came the fasting and over fasting. I'm not talking oh, about what I do now, which I believe in time restricted eating. Um, mm -hmm. for me, it works for me. And, um, something I say a lot on my pages, this is my experience because what works for me may not work for you. And if fasting this way works for me, where I choose to live a very in tune circadian lifestyle. And so I don't like to eat after sunset, but guess what? Mm -hmm. This weekend we're going out. Um, we have soup night at my mother-in-law's house and guess what? That's at 7 PM. Do you think I'm not going to eat at 7 PM? <laughs> yes, I am. Right. So it's like, right having, um, these sort of boundaries for my everyday life that make me feel my optimal, like my best, um, then on the weekends, like my cheat is like, you know, eating, it's not even a cheat. I don't even want to use that word, but there's no boundary. There's boundaries, but there's no, there's freedom. There's freedom yeah. in my life around what I do based on my lifestyle. Otherwise that's when, um, I feel that restrictiveness of like, um, so you were talking about veganism and I have experienced two weeks of raw veganism. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but I was living in LA and I decided I was gaining weight. And, um, so I was going to, you know, going out a breakup, the whole thing, I was going to go just eat fruits and vegetables, not cooked. And that was it. 
-hmm. I gained 25 pounds eating cantaloupes, grapes, um, watermelons, all that sugar. My body just soaked it all up because I had been basically, I think for my body, the way, again, my body is so different than your body. I soaked up all of that sugar because I basically was anorexic for the two months prior to that because of all the stress and the cortisol I couldn't eat because of the breakup. And so then when right. I did put sugar in my body, boom, I just was, <laughs> it was so depressing. And then I went through that whole cycle again. That was in 2009, eight. And it's like, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. like, I'm sure you were, you're, you were like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm raw vegan and I'm gaining weight. Well, what they don't tell you is that all those raw vegetables, oxalates, lectins, lots of carbs and sugar, obviously we've said that. Um, there was actually someone who Molly Carmel interviewed on her podcast and she, it was hilarious the way that she said it. It was just activist. And she said, when I was raw vegan, I was running around New York city. I was my highest weight. I was eating all the guacamole, all the fruits, all the vegetables, wondering why I was my highest weight. I mean, it blows our minds, right? It just, it doesn't make sense. But what happens in the body is, is these stress hormones rise, cortisol rises, adrenals to the ground, thyroid gets to the ground. Um, and there's this whole thing in the keto and carnivore space, eat fat to lose fat, you know, like, and that takes a while to understand. Um, but when your body doesn't have enough protein or fat, and I'm speaking from my experience, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a dietitian, mm -hmm. I've just been in my body with eating disorders and healing all the autoimmune issues for 17 plus years. And let me tell you, the way that I feel today, if I felt like this last year, I would not be sitting with you. I would be, I would, I would be so unable to function. I would probably be at the sauna hoping that was going to help me feel better, cold showers all day long. I mean, when the body is under stress and a lot, there's a lot of confusion too. And I've, I've interviewed people in my podcast, like Lyle McDonald, who talks about starvation mode and me metabolic station and metabolic damage, which I personally think metabolic damage is real. Starvation mode um, can be confusing because then people are like, well, I'm, you know, I'm eating 800 calories and I'm gaining weight. Well, there's something not right there. It could be hormonal. It could be thyroid. It could be, you could have parasites. I mean, there's so many reasons why somebody could be gaining weight on little calories. So uh, real quick, before I get deeper into this episode, I want to talk to you guys about my sponsor for this podcast, BetterHelp. You guys know how much I love therapy. I have been in therapy for several years, but I've been using BetterHelp for about three years. And I love my therapist. She's amazing. Uh, so I'm very happy that BetterHelp has, you know, sponsored this podcast. And out of all of my sponsors, I got to be real, BetterHelp is my favorite because I actually use them every day, every week. Um, I have a great relationship with just the experience. And, you know, my therapist has helped me through so much the last couple years. And BetterHelp is very, very easy. You don't have to do it. Um, you don't have to do it, you know, you don't have to go to a, a freaking office, you don't have to take a drive, you don't have to take an Uber or a Lyft, 
You can just do it from the privacy of your own home or wherever you're traveling. You can do it video. You can do um, just an audio call if you're not comfortable doing video or you can do the messaging. And you can also message your therapist whenever you need to. There's also a journal feature, which I love because journaling and typing all of that stuff out of your head is so helpful. Um, so join over 2 million people who are using BetterHelp. That is crazy, 2 million people. Um, it has helped me so much. Just having someone on your side and having that outside perspective who is not going to judge you. Um, they're not going to hold anything over your head. They don't know um, any anything any secrets that you tell them, they're not going to ever hold that against you. And that's what I love about my therapist. I could tell her the worst things I've ever done and she's not going to to judge me. Um, she's been very helpful with everything that I've gone through with, you know, the relationship with my mom and healing and, and everything like that. And she does EMDR. So you can find a therapist who matches your personal needs, whether it's addiction uh, substance abuse, trauma, eating disorders, relationship issues. You can find the perfect therapist and you can change the therapist as many times as you need at no charge and it's super easy to, to navigate the app. So all you're going to do is go to betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount and that will get you a nice discount on your first month of therapy. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash vibe that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash vibe for a 10% off discount your first month of online counseling and I hope you do it because we all we all really need support and if you haven't tried therapy yet this is going to help you so much betterhelp.com slash vibe um and there is metabolic that happen when you have restricted or binge and restricted for so many years. So like for you, when you started eating all those, you know, fruits and vegetables and carbs and oxalates and lectins, your body freaked out and it stored all those and, and inflammation is weight gain. So when you're eating a diet full of oxalates, that is poison. And I think, I mean, I'm petite, I'm, I'm five one on a good day. Um, a lot of my weight that I was holding, it was not necessarily tons of fat or, you know, it was inflammation. It was water. It was swelling. And that's what a lot of people talk about when you go keto. Well, you, you lose that initial water and it's, it's inflammation. It's toxic waste that doesn't need to come back. Um, and I think a lot of people, like I was just listening to a podcast the other day and, and they were saying the root cause of obesity is inflammation. And it's this swelling that happens in the body. It doesn't have to be fat or, you know, muscle. It's not muscle, obviously, but um, swelling and water retention can feel horrible. It can be debilitating, especially if you have like lipedema or edema, which I've struggled with for many years because I was never hydrating properly. I was never... Um, using electrolytes properly, especially when I was using the sauna, I was overdoing it and I was not replenishing with sodium, potassium and magnesium. No wonder my body was freaking out and it was actually holding on to every drop of water and every drop of food that I put in my body because it was in um, survival mode. 
And it wasn't until I started eating protein, fish, and healthy fats and went keto that I started to feel better. But that's not what a lot of people want to hear in the eating disorder space. They don't want to hear that your eating disorder recovery has to do with eliminating carbs. But you're eliminating a whole food group. That's not allowed. Now that brings us back to who made these rules? Who made these fucking rules? You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it. I think what happens too is, well, let me back up to where you were talking about the extreme, like the vegan, like all of this stuff is going on. And on the other extreme, like having experience with strict carnivore and what that felt like towards like the last three weeks that I was doing. um, Well, I mean, I shouldn't even say I was strict carnivore probably for only three months because I introduced low oxalate veggies back in rather quickly over the summer. I was having salads and things like that. Um, But it wasn't until um, the, I started seeing a little bit of um, mucus and stuff with my ulcerative colitis. And I was like, oh my God, that just took me right into the whole fear of it's coming back. So I went strict again. And in those three weeks that I was strict, I was like, something's not right. This is not how I typically am. Um, but I started to notice that, uh, the opposite was happening. So I was taking, I was eating way too much protein this time. And so the reason I slowly started to put on weight and I don't weigh myself, I I took my scales in 2009 to the Hollywood Hills and I bashed them and I have not owned a scale since. The only time I would get on a scale is at the doctor's office and I turn around and I don't need to know that number. So I don't know how much I weigh, but because of who I am, I can tell when my clothes are getting tighter And I can just see it. Like I can just see it on my body because I just, I'm designed that way. I also have body dysmorphia. So I don't know, but let me just say that. But going by clothes is that's, that's what I do too. Yeah. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit, they were felt a little bit tighter. And then, um, I was like, wait a second, I know about gluconeogenesis and it's not necessarily a bad thing burning, you know, when you're it's natural, when you have too much protein in your body and I'm small, Mm -hmm. I'm only five, three. And when you have too much protein in your body and I was eating gobs and gobs of protein, I mean, pounds, I was like, okay. And I hired someone because I know myself and I can't just go blinded. So I've always had a coach or a dietary consultant or a nutritionist ever since 2011. And so I I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to hire someone. And I found someone um, who I you know, had sort of followed for a while. She went to Cornell. She's all the accolades, super smart, like PhD, blah, 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 spent a crap ton of money and hired her. And, um, I did everything she told me to do. And then she said, add back. You can add back now because you're, you're in a good place. And so I started adding back and then, you know, I still do blood work with her, um, on occasions, like basically once a year. Um, and my inflammation markers, everything was looking so good. Like my blood work never looked this good. I'm a test don't guess kind of girl. And I took the supplements she told me to take and they worked. I took the electrolytes she told me to take and it worked. I told, she told me to take a teaspoon of salt a day and then move it up according to my numbers, did that and it worked. So I just, all of that, um, still with all of that guidance in those three weeks with no guidance and just seeing what I saw in the toilet was enough for me to say, 
I'm just going to take back control and do this the way I think I know how to do it based on old ideas, not on higher self, God, whatever your spirit, not on that connection that I've been doing things for the last 16 years, or I should say 15 and a half years at this point. And well, no, it's been 16 years since I was diagnosed with that disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So the gluconeogenesis started happening. My period dropped from exactly 28 days to 21 days. And I was like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. Kept an eye on it, kept an eye on it, happened again, kept an eye, reached out to Austin. I was like, this is what's going on. She was like, okay, keep an eye. I was like, intuitively, I'm, a, I'm someone who does meditation. I'm like all into that stuff. Intuitively, I knew that it was something to do with my hormones and something wasn't right. And that's why I was starting to gain. And lo- sure enough, I tested and my leptin levels came back funky. Um, I was having anxiety again. Um, I learned just so many things about it, but that diet where I feel like it has its place as a really great like, um, th- you know, I don't know, three month, whatever for you, I think it has its time in its place, um, for me. And I just think that even like veganism, like maybe there's a good, if you're someone who eats the standard American diet and you go vegan for a while and you take out the processed foods and then slowly build yourself back up to maybe whole foods or something like that. Like, I feel like these things have a place, but at the end of the day, we have to be in tuned with who we are as people. And when, at least for me, in my experience, when I need to reach out for help, the things that I need help with and to be rigorously honest about those things. So that way I can come out and say, Hey, this doesn't work for me. And this is what it was like for me. So I encourage you to figure out what works for you. I had so many girls and men, I had three men and like, I don't know, like 10, 15 girls reaching out after I said, I don't know about this guys. I don't know. And they're like, that's what's happening to me. And I gained about carnivore, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about carnivore. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like, like, because we were chatting about this last week. And I think there there is something to be said about how powerful carnivore can be for people who are healing severe mental issues, MS, crazy autoimmune issues, colitis, Crohn's. I mean there's people out there who they're going to be carnivore forever because they have to. Um, and then there are like carnivores in, in the space who I'm not sure what their why is, but it seems like their main why is that they don't want to be a binge eater. So I get it. Nobody wants to binge. It doesn't make you feel good. It makes you gain weight, makes you feel like shit. But for some of the people who have been like, carnivores in this space like 10 plus years if they they say they feel great obviously that's that's a great reason to be carnivore but if you're carnivore out of fear of binging again I don't know how that is eating disorder recovery when you're trading one disorder whether it's binging or restriction or anorexia and you're taking it and you're bringing carnivore in, which is, it is a restrictive diet. But what people in the carnivore space will say, well, I don't feel restricted because I eat all, I, I, I eat all the beef and all the eggs and all the butter I want. And look at all these foods that I eat. Okay. But you have to admit carnivore is not 
it's not normal. It's a little bit off filter. Yes, I, I definitely believe in Dr. Ken Berry. It's the proper human diet. Eating meat and eggs, this is going to help our body. But um, I don't think everybody needs to be carnivore forever and be super strict out of fear that they're going to feel like crap if they don't. Um, and if that is your only why of, you know, used to be a binge eater, there's a lot of people in the space who used to be binge eaters and I don't know. It's, it's a really, really gray area because it's like, well, you know, um, if you think you can be carnivore forever, go for it. If you're happy, go for it. Whatever makes you happy. But if the underlying energy of that is fear, well, I'm doing this because it's the only way I'm never going to binge again. Then there's probably some other stuff you need to focus on. You need to go to therapy. You need to go to support groups. It's not just diet that you need to focus on. It's the mental stuff too. It's the patterns. It's the cycles. It's the trauma. Yes. Honestly. I mean, yes. It's trauma. Like people with eating disorders, it comes from trauma. It comes from a lack of control because eating disorders are a control disorder. Yep. You want to control everything. You want to control your body. You want to control or it's emotional baggage or trauma, little T, big T. And then you are stuffing that away with food. So yeah, yeah carnivore will help because it's the physical part of it. And, and it's eliminating all those foods makes your body not crave it, right? Makes your body and your mind not crave it. But that's just a Band-Aid. <laughs> I so agree. I, I don't know. I agree with you. The first thing I did before I, so I got sober. The next thing I did was trauma therapy. Through trauma therapy, I started also seeing at that time, a little bit later, the binge eating coming up. And for me, um, the binge, I stopped, my last binge was um, March of 2011. I went into recovery after that. And I haven't binged since March of 2011, um, wow. following a, I mean, recovery rooms. Like I have a very strict net, shouldn't say strict wide network of people that I reach out to when the cravings would hit or whatever. But I think what I love about keto carnivore, this whole thing is I started introducing enough fat into my diet where, and with Austin, I remember her saying, I was like, I am having massive sugar cravings still. And these were things that never sugar cravings never went away for me. I just would cover them up with whatever, like white knuckle feelings and stuff like that. And she was like, we have to up your fat and we would track. And as much as I told her, I don't want to do tracking. She was like, I'm going to do this with you. She had access to my fitness pal and she held my hand the whole time. So we added fat, added fat, added fat. All of a sudden, she's like, what's going to happen scientifically is that fat is going to start um, sending signals into your brain that's going to quiet the urge for the sugar craving. So you have to let yes. go of the idea of wait for now. Like you have to let go of that idea because your brain needs to be rewired into the fat. And so then it did. That's exactly what happened. Um, the you felt satiated for the first time, I'm sure. I, they, they went away. I, yeah. I don't have sugar cravings anymore. In fact, to the point where like 
if I do have something like a little keto, um, like a Lily's chocolate chips or something like that, like a keto friendly something, I don't, because I have enough fat in my system and like, uh, from the foods that I eat now, I don't even care to have more. So like, it's very, very, very strange for me. Now I don't eat cookies, cakes, and things like that, but I have on occasion had a couple of and have been fine. Um, but even that I'm very boundaried around it. So it's like, I, I do something called what I learned in recovery rooms was like red light, yellow light, green light list. I know all my foods that are red light. My yellow light foods are very boundaried. I can eat them, you know, for a long time, you know, even peanut butter is still a yellow light food. I just choose not to eat it anymore because of the healing. Um, I've healed my ulcerative colitis with keto. Actually, it wasn't even carnivore. When I like start reflecting back, I went keto because I wanted to get off the meds from my ulcerative colitis. And I read this book and it said that it would drive inflammation. Ketosis would drive inflammation out of my body. That's how I ended up at keto. And it worked. But then I was like, I want to be keto vegetarian because I'm so spiritual and I'm like going to be a yogi and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. so I was doing spinach to get my, you know, iron and whatnot. Um, 10 cups, grinded it up with kale, Mm -hmm. kale and avocados to get the fat. And I went into the gym. And everybody, everybody who's listening, greens powders will do the same damage. Yeah. Pea powder. I was putting pea protein powder on top of that. The Vega brand, the vegan Vega brand on top of that. And she was like, what are you, my GI doctor was like, well, why are you, why are you going vegetarian? And I was like, well, because that's the perfect diet to be on. She goes, no, I'm seeing in my clinic, people with ulcerative colitis. Um, I don't know why she said, I don't know why this is, but people who have Crohn's and ulcers tend to do better on meat. So I wouldn't go vegetarian, which was like, she put a like, stick in my heart. And I was like, I had to like recover from the fact that I had to do this thing that I didn't want to do. And Um, it's so confusing because we think that meat, there's no nutritional value in meat. There's it's hard. It's not good for you. It's hard to digest. And then when I started hearing all these stories in the autoimmune, um, and eating disorder recovery space, um, about beef, you know, like just beef and butter and salt, is so healing and how it actually is very easy to digest. I was like, wow, my head is blown off. And that's what I did. I did beef for two and a half months. And I had my stools because of colitis, they had never looked like this. They today they're I, I, what I've learned over the last year about my body were the things that like, I finally like know my body on a deeper level. So and I've done stool test. I mean, I do so much testing because I don't want to just guess. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm off the medication. I've been off the medication. Keto took me off the medication, by the way. I only started seeing symptoms again when I upped the spinach and I took all of that stuff out. So, um, but my electrolytes, I know I can now look in the toilet at what my stool looks like. And I can tell if I'm hydrated if I'm healed and sealed, and if I'm doing really damn well, just by looking at the shape and color of it. And yeah. that is what it looks like today. I had to get used to yeah. a little bit higher fat, but as soon as I added back some of the things that like in meditation, I knew intuitively to bring back into my life, like avocados. I know avocados are higher oxalate food, but they're not that reason, high. They're not that high. 
they're not that high on the list no no and and like I don't know if I told you this but I was a yoga teacher and I I am a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. for nine years so like yeah I get I, I understand what you're saying because that whole spirituality and yoga realm is very plant-based and it's like an identity thing. Um, but what you're saying about the stools is really interesting because when I think back to when I was vegan and vegetarian, I was going to the bathroom sometimes 10 times a day. I think I had like like a, a version of, of Crohn's, like to be honest, like it was Sounds IBS, like it. obviously. But I think I really gave myself like some kind of version of Crohn's because I was eating so many raw vegetables. And I remember it got to the point where I was seeing the vegetables come out into my stools as if I never digested them. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm literally shitting out salad. What does that mean? Like my body's not even digesting food anymore. Um, Nothing I ate made me feel well and now when I eat a big omad at night I can walk around I don't have to like lay down I can breathe my stomach's not blowing up it's because I've eliminated all those vegetables and I'm down to like maybe two vegetables which is lettuce and cucumbers and I have no problem with those but in eliminating the vegetables I added in a lot of nutrients and foods that my body like needed like the fat and the protein. And I don't think we realize how how our digestion is so affected by malnutrition, like being being malnourished and malabsorption. And something you said earlier was like, oh, when I started taking supplements and the electrolytes and the salts feel so much better. For me, the two things that I that I could recommend that really helped me the most was the electrolytes and betaine HCL enzymes. I still take the betaine HCL enzymes because for people like us with a history of eating disorders, um, people with eating disorders have really low stomach acid and people would think, well, that doesn't make sense. I, I think I have high stomach acid. What, what's really happening, whether you're anorexic or bulimic, when you're bulimic, you're getting rid of all of your stomach acid when you purge. And that's literally stripping your stomach of all of the healthy um, bacteria and enzymes and stomach acid. We need stomach acid to digest food. And I didn't realize this. So when I started hearing all these things on podcasts, take the betaine HCL, the enzymes. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. I think it was like maybe a year ago that I really got into it. And I started to realize, wow, I can eat food and I'm not feeling like I have to go throw up because I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can breathe. It's digesting. And you have to be consistent with it every day. If you think you have a stomach acid problem, you can start taking betaine HCL. It's not like a supplement that you have to like, like everyone can benefit from it. And, um, you're going to know if, if you need it or not by the way that you feel after you eat. So you take a few before you eat. Um, and you see how you, you do. And if you feel better, your body needs that stomach acid to digest the food that you're eating. That's a huge part of gut issues that I don't think people understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
Yeah, I actually, uh, I started doing kefir. Uh, like I would make my own homemade. I found a lady who has a farm in Michigan who like make, you know, grow the grains. I brought them. I started doing that. And I did that consistently with every meal for since 2018. And now I've been able to slowly take it out of my routine um, mm -hmm. because I have, I think that you made a really good point too, about like the gut and the, the lining with the food, but also mentally, like, that's why I'm so big on like people. If you have traumas and stuff, do the therapy, like mentally, like you have to, well, in my experience, I really had to, um, deal with all of this stuff that was causing the stress in the first place. And when I think about my specific trauma and what happened to me for years, I felt like I was holding it in my stomach. And I literally, I remember as a little girl, I would go to the bathroom and punch it, try to punch it out. Like oh it was gosh. like this energy that was manifesting in there. And I believe that I believe that our thoughts, our energy, all of that stuff is connected. And so if we don't move that energy, that emotion, energy moving, that's literally what emotions are, energy moving, they get trapped. And so mentally, physically, emotionally, there's so many, and that's why I think yoga is so wonderful. And in fact, again, when I did my DNA um, test, my DNA testing, I did hair mineral testing, all so fascinating to see that my DNA testing, my genetic testing literally said that the best exercise for me was yoga. And so Austin was like, well, you should do yoga. I was like, well, I have a, I have a personal trainer and I'm doing this and I'm fasting all the time and da, 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 da. And she was like, uh, this is totally against what your body is telling you. You should probably, and I ended up with a hemorrhoid. <laughs> like I, and she yeah. was, I had, I got an eye twitch, all my minerals got depleted. And I just like, I, I'd already hired these people and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go. She was like, okay, finish it out. But in that time period, it was like, I don't know, the GOD telling me, okay, you have someone here. Let Now let's let this happen so that you can now take her uh, suggestions. But so um, for me, something that um, also helps with my gut and my digestion is just grounding. Like being outside, eating outside as much as I can, where it's going to be winter here soon. But I don't know, I seem to thrive in like winter, fall, like those cozy months make me feel extra, like, I don't know, hibernating. And I don't know, I like that whole thing. But so grounding is incredible for the gut. In fact, when I went to Mexico, uh, we went to Mexico on a vacation last last year and it was a four hour difference. We get there. And the first thing I did when we got to our little bungalow thing or whatever, I went to the beach with the kids and we had a slew of kids. I took them all down there. They did sunrise and sunset with me every day. And um, I took them down to the beach and I put my feet in the sand and I did my whole routine with the grounding and the gazing and the gratitude. And I just like to really take when I'm in nature, I just go there. And I think yeah. it's so healing for the body. And it does, it creates exclusion zone water. I took um, a quantum biology course and it creates exclusion zone water, which is crystal water. And it literally is like a jelly-like substance that it coats every um, biological surface of our body. And what it does is it keeps toxins from getting to your organs. 
it protects your whole entire biological surface of your body. It's connected to the fascia. It is your electrical wire system. When the sun hits it, it gets charged. When you put your feet in the ground, it sucks out all the positive um, ions that we get from all of this Wi-Fi and everything. It literally pulls it out and puts all that negative back in to balance you out. Um, and so the first day in the morning, when I went to the bathroom, I woke up at the time that I normally would wake up because I got the sun in my eyes. My circadian rhythm was set from being in the sand for at least 20 minutes. I think I was out there. I woke up in the morning at the same time I would have at home. And I went to the bathroom. That's key for me at the same exact time I would have at home. And it, we were four hours it's amazing. behind. And that's because I went outside and I practiced just enough circadian rhythm for my body to say, okay, we know where you are now. So let's shift all of these things. And so now I'm like, ever since that experience, I'm like, I'm sold. I'm sold. Cause I wasn't having, and the more grounding I do with now adding back these. Um, so for my fruit, I've added back avocado and I'm doing, doing seasonal, um, veggies. So right now we have cauliflower. I'm going to have some of that. Um, I'm going to make like a cauliflower thing this weekend. And, um, just adding these things back that have the same light code as my environment, but you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so connected and I think carnivore helped me, um, get back into that really like connected place, but I just was doing it too long for me, even with ulcerative colitis. I know that this is a reset place for me that I can always come back to, But for me, because it feels so restrictive, that stress is worse than continuing to do the diet that will bring back my colitis before, you know, anything else, because it's like, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. How do I go to this restaurant? I can't eat that. It's like, I'm so scared that seed oil is going to touch my plate. Like what? That was the Mm -hmm. thought that sent me over the edge. I was like, did I really just think that I can't go to my favorite restaurant and order my favorite salad because the seed oil is going to touch my plate? No, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of orthorexia that I think many of us a little bit of, and I, I definitely will say that my eating disorder has shifted into orthorexia, which, Hey, I'll take that over the other eating disorders that I've because it's coming from a place of wanting to heal. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, what you were saying earlier with the working out thing, that will wreak havoc on your body as well. When I was like, it's funny, when I was vegan, my highest weight, I was running in, in the Miami heat. I was sweating every day. I was doing cardio. I was, and I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I I felt the shittiest that I ever felt. And I was like, oh, how, how is my body not releasing this inflammation and this weight when, and it's because my body was under so much stress that my adrenals and everything was just shot to hell. Um, so I think, and for me, like my grounding is walking outside, like just walking outside and I'm going to, I'm going to LA for a few months. Um, to get out of Florida. I can't, I can't be here in the winter time. I need, I need to be in nature and I miss hiking. Um, and I miss doing yoga, um, at the studio that I, you know, spent so much of my time, um, in, in California. And it's like, I can't wait to be in nature and go on these long walks 
you don't need to go running. You don't need to go to the gym and do all this crazy shit. Um, your body can, you, you can change your body composition by just walking and doing some yoga, lifting some light weights. I don't even lift weights anymore because I noticed that when I was lifting weights, um, and I wasn't lifting like anything crazy, but it was, it was creating inflammation in my body. And that was, that was the whole point was to get rid of the inflammation and to like lean out, right? Like that was the whole point of weightlifting for me. Well, if it wasn't doing that for me, then I'm not going to force my body to do that because every time I lifted weights, I would feel my, my legs blow up. And that was inflammation from not having enough electrolytes or fluids or the proper fat and protein. So again, it just, we keep kind of like coming back to this, like, idea of like what does our body need and like mm-hmm. I love that you said um you're adding in cauliflower it's really funny last night I I had the idea to adding in cauliflower in little amounts just to see how I feel um and I did I, I made like a cauliflower rice whatever yeah. and yeah. it's like um yeah there's we don't need to put ourselves in these boxes of labels of carnivore or ketovore or keto or whatever whatever the fuck you feel good at whatever is making your symptoms go away and, and whatever's making you, your mental feel better because um, people love to focus on the physical and believe me, like working in Equinox and teaching yoga at all these places over the years, people would look at me and say, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're so, you're so fit. You're in, you're in such good shape because Mm -hmm. I had abs or whatever. But what they didn't see was how shitty I felt. But when I went to t- teach yoga for that hour, I was an actress. I was acting yeah. like everything was fine and that I felt good because I had to. But what they didn't see was how I was eating and how I was doing all these biohacks just to get to my baseline of, okay, I can go teach this yoga class. And then right after, I need to go home and I need to cry. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that is yeah. not I mean, I was like, okay, I can't even teach yoga. After I teach yoga, I feel like shit, I'm overwhelmed. I feel swollen. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, so I had to take a break from it all. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, Coming back to like you said, what works for us, I think, is my main <laughs> message definitely like when I when I first started my Instagram account I was like I'm just gonna block everyone I know so I'm gonna go over here and talk about how I healed my colitis and I don't you know there's a lot of shame around my colitis because it's you know at that time and now I've uh, you know unblocked the people that I had blocked because they were everybody I knew um but yeah I I feel like I just wanted to share hey like this is what I did this is what worked And now with the whole carnivore space growing and things getting, it's easy to get caught up in that, the dogma of it. Like, and I know that's something that you in your last podcast, I think, or maybe the one before that you talked about diet dogma and I like, by the way, your podcast is very cool. Um, (laughs) So, but I just feel like bringing it back to what works for us and not like for me it's I'm always like okay 
you know, I don't want to be like, you need to do this or you need to do that. Like, here's what I did. Maybe my story will help you see that you can try something different too, even though what I'm doing might not work for you, but it might give you an idea of trying something that could potentially put you into the right direction of maybe finding what does work for you, especially those people that I find I'll get calls from people or DMS from people who, um, will literally be on in the hospital. I had a lady, well, I should say there was one who was in the hospital, one who was just recently diagnosed. And then, um, another one who had with ulcerative, ulcerative colitis. I just got diagnosed. I'm in the hospital. They're giving me all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, I do coaching. And so I met with her for one session. I was like, here's what I did. Here are the questions you have to ask your doctors. Here are the tests that they're not going to tell you about. So what I'll typically do is I will hold their hand. Like I will help them help their doctors help them by telling them what to ask for that. I went, I mean, 16 years worth of going back and forth with my doctors and like what to look for in your stools, what to, what it looks like when it's hydrated. Um, These are the tests your doctors aren't going to tell you about because they don't know to ask you. They're just going to put you in this category. And and it's not because they don't want to help you. They became doctors probably because they wanted to help people or they just wanted to make a lot of money. I don't know. One of the two things, but probably also because they wanted to help people. I think most doctors become doctors for that reason. So they're just getting pushed through in a system that doesn't give them the opportunity to fully help you. So let's let's let them help you. And then when you come in, you're like, Hey, I hired this dietary consultant. These are the blood tests that I need. My doctor was like, you are the first patient that I've had this year. I will write off on anything you want. If you have a dietary consultant, because they're happy that you are at least the doctors I've had been, I've been fortunate with some really amazing doctors and then some really crappy doctors too, but mostly amazing doctors. Um, well, I think like what, what you're saying is like, you're sharing what, what helped, what worked for you. I would have never known to take the betaine HCL if I wasn't listening to podcasts. Literally everything that I know that I'm sharing with you and your listeners um, is stuff that I've learned from podcasts, literally, or YouTube videos, um, or my interviewing people on my podcast, but mainly podcasts about thyroid and all these things. So yeah, I'm not learning from doctors. I'm not going to the doctor and learning anything. We, and knowledge is power. So if we can, I mean, we have all the information right at our fingertips. So podcasts, YouTube, use it to your advantage. Um, because that is how I've gotten to where I am because I took my health into my own hands. I fired doctors. I've said, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like I have no shame. Yeah. And I had to take my health into my own hands. And that's what you had to do too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that's a really great place to end this podcast. I mean, this isn't a podcast, but I mean, it will be, it's going to be, it's going to be on mine. (laughs) And eventually (laughs) when I figure this out, I will have it on mine as well. But just to finish off um, on that note of like, yeah, study educate yourself, read the books, look at the studies. Like they're there. They're literally there. You can read them and trial and error too. Yep. Experience. Like like be willing to experiment on your body. You have to, you have to try things and see if they work and just check it off the list. Okay. This didn't work. This did work. Okay. 
Oh, by the way, (laughs) I tried mushroom. I had a mushroom. I went to the bathroom and I was like, what is that? And I realized I was like, oh, you ate that mushroom. I had three of these. um, They're called elephant ears. And I was like, okay, I'll have, I'm going to put a couple of those on my plate and see how I feel. It was like, everything looked fine, except the fact that the whole month, I, I could have sworn I chewed it. I could have sworn I chewed it. Like it was like, there was a P there was two full pieces. So I must've not chewed it all the way, but like, I was like, oh my God. So yes. Yeah. You know, experiment, try things, work it in slowly. And, you know, something that I always say is like, be ever so gentle with yourself. Cause that gentle love kindness creates exclusion zone water, which creates harmony, which lowers stress, which freaking heals your body. Just having just even if you touch your own, hug your own self, you can create exclusion zone water. You can, yes, just by hugging your own self, when you look in the mirror and you say something like I'm getting chills, just talking about it. When you hold someone's hand, we need, we need touch. We we do. We really, I, um, I know we have to go, but if some, if you guys are listening and you, you need a hug and you don't have anybody to hug you, put yourself into a corner, um, at the wall push your back into the wall and hug yourself and your body will detect it as somebody is hugging you because you have that back support too. I heard that the other day and I was like, it's cool. Wow. I like that. I, I, I often give myself, I mean, I have plenty of people. I just like randomly will hug my husband all the time, but um, I, one thing that I do in the morning, my son's still, he's only five. So he still comes into our bed. And in the morning, I literally will pull him up lay him on my body and I just make crystal water. And I tell him we're making crystal water. And, and then, I mean, don't even get me into the whole, this is a no whole nother topic for another day, but quantum physics and the, the role of energy on our bodies. And I mean, rocks, crystal, I don't care what anybody says. It's not woo. It is not woo woo. It is legit. There are ancient, like I'm from Nepal and Hinduism is a very like it's like the number one, uh, the major religion of Nepal. So I grew up with what I thought was just like all of these gods. And I was like, I don't understand any of this. And then I started researching into it a little bit more because it's part of my history. It's all quantum physics. It has to do with energy and like the every tiny little thing down to the bells, opening the chakras, like everything, the mantras, all of them, like they literally unlock these realms of energy in our bodies, which is a whole nother form of healing that I've also yeah. been involved <laughs> I was gonna with. Say, like people, it's easier to focus on the spiritual stuff once the physical stuff is healed. So sometimes we have to work our way from the ground up, the physical to the mental. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Um, so you just gotta, you gotta start where you are and just knowledge is power. and if that's the main takeaway from this is you have to be willing to experiment and try new things and don't put yourself in labels and boxes um, and see what works and keep moving forward. That's all you can really do, but you can feel better. If we, if we have healed, you can feel better. It just takes change. Like you can't be eating all these foods that are making you react. Simple as that, you know? Yep. Inch by inch is a cinch. Yard by yard is hard. So just take it inch by inch. You'll make the yard. You'll get there. Love that. (laughs) 
I heard that in one of my morning meditations I listened to. But anyway, love it. 